Welcome to our Melanin Hughes podcast. We are women of color who are physicians and psychologists empowering our communities through candid conversations about physical and emotional health. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Eunice Blackman. I'm Dr. Kenesha Campbell. I'm Dr. Leela Morrow. And I'm Dr. Chanel Richards. And welcome to our very first podcast, where we'll be discussing why we started this podcast, our experience as frontline workers, what we've learned, and the silver lining through the COVID pandemic. All right, ladies, we have finally made it to our podcast. Can you believe it? This is so exciting. It is. It is. I mean, it's been some time in the making. So, Kanisha, tell us how you know, this podcast came about and more about you as well. So Chanel actually had approached me about starting a podcast and, you know, immediately I said, oh, that's a great idea. And I thought about Eunice because Eunice and I um, in past conversations had always spoken about, you know, starting a podcast. Basically, Chanel gave me the job of finding professional people <laughs> to get the podcast together. And so that's what I did. So everyone, you know, that's on this podcast is basically connected through me, but we're all kind of friends together. Um, and so, you know, we'll share, we'll share those stories, I think, a little bit kind of later as we go along. In terms of why I think this podcast is important, I think each have, you know, very unique perspectives. We're all women of color from different backgrounds. Um, we're all in the healthcare field. We have, you know, physicians and psychologists who have really vast and rich experiences uh, that I think uh, it will be great to share with you all. We all each have um, different personal backgrounds and we can all share from our personal experiences as well and learn from each other. A little bit about me. So I am Jamaican. Um, so I was born in Jamaica and came to the U.S. when I was about four and a half years old. Um, so I have the background of being an immigrant and I have that experience. I'm also Black and I have that experience as a physician, um, which is, you know, kind of a difficult thing, I think, to be in this society. And I'm a single mom and I now have a son who is 20 years old and is a senior in college who I'm very proud of. And so I have that experience as well of a college student going through the COVID pandemic. So I think we'll have lots of interesting things to talk about. All right, girlfriend. And Leela, so what made you interested in joining this podcast? And tell us more about who you are. So thank you for that question, because Kanisha is my dear sister. Uh, when she asked me to do anything, I say yes, because she has that energy, that vibe. I would say I add in a little bit of the creativity because she always says <laughs> I'm not so creative. So here we are coming together. It's a long time coming, as you said, and I'm very, very excited to do this and be here today. I've been listening to a lot of great podcasts and it's been really inspiring. So I hope that you all as our audience can get inspired from all of our diverse voices, but also find some commonality. A little bit about myself. I identify as Indian American. Uh, my parents came here to the U.S. in 1970, and I have one brother. So we grew up outside of Chicago. I came to Philadelphia for my postdoc and ended up staying and loving the city. I was married to an African-American man, and we had two children. So I have half Black, half Indian children. I was married for about five years, got divorced and met my new husband. And we've been married for two years and we have an almost 18 month old daughter. My current husband is white. So you could see that we have a very interesting blended family. Nice. And 
we're very intentional about living in Philadelphia um, because we feel like it can be you know, challenging. And so we have our little bubble. And I think our bubble has really saved us through this pandemic. All right. Chanel, girl, tell us why you're here and tell us more about your background. I am born in Guyana. I came here at the age of one year to first generation immigrants. So I grew up in Brooklyn. You slap push. Bop, 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 bop. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to big up Brooklyn. Well, I approached Kanisha regarding the podcast because I felt like we have some rich experiences as women of color. She was like my homegirl from college, college roommate. We knew each other since freshman year, Cornell University. We went through a number of our single years together until I got married um, seven years ago. I have a three and a six-year-old that keep me on my toes. Very interesting children, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and I am, you know, in the field, I kind of feel like given the racial climate and going through the stressor of a pandemic has really helped my private practice evolve. I have 14 years of experience and predominantly treating Caucasian individuals. And I had to take a look and say, why, why am I not helping people who look like me? And so I had to revamp my whole experience after working um, in skilled nursing and rehab centers. As I saw my private practice increase and then shift to more of a telehealth, I, you know, my clientele started to choose me. I started to get a lot of persons of color and I found it to be very beneficial for them. It's something that they really, really have been investing in. So there's a space for that. There's a need for that. And I felt good that I was being a part of some kind of change or push to normalizing and addressing the disparities as it relates to mental health. I almost felt like it was a calling of sorts. So, you know, the pandemic is grim and gruesome and anxiety provoking and all those kinds of things. But I do think that it's a place for us to reflect and to learn and to simply grow and evolve. Absolutely. I think the common thing that we all have is Kanisha. As she said before, we we worked um, in the same city in a Midwestern hospital setting. I became more interested in starting this podcast out of all of the questions that I was getting from family and friends. And I was like, well, you know, it'd be cool if they had a voice that looked, well, that sounded like me. And if you saw me in person, you'll see this gorgeous African-American woman. That is why I believe that I became so avid about joining this spectacular group of women with this podcast. On a personal note, I do have a five-year-old son that I co-parent with his dad, and he keeps me running here and there. And it's just been a, a, a joy to watch him during this pandemic grow. So I'm looking forward to joining these ladies and having very great discussions about issues that affect our community and hopefully bringing some solutions to you guys or bringing some more thought-provoking questions for you as you go about your day-to-day life. What do you think, sisters? I think we are an amazing group of women and we have a lot to offer and bring to the table. And, you know, Chanel, when you were talking, I was thinking, you know, when you were saying that, you know, initially your clientele was primarily um, white and now, you know, people of color are really now drawn to you. I think, you know, those are experiences that are going to be important for us to share. I'll say like in my um, practice, 
I have a very diverse group of patients depending on where I practice. And so mm-hmm. I work with a lot of white families from, you know, higher SES backgrounds. But then I also work with um, a lot of Black families from both high SES and from low SES backgrounds, lots of immigrants. It's very interesting kind of the, the impact that COVID has had in terms of equalizing those experiences a little bit. But it's also interesting in terms of the vast disparities um, that I've seen between, you know, those different types of families really based on their SES and their educational levels. So I think we have a lot to discuss in future podcasts. I'm definitely looking forward to that, right? Hopefully you make these, make these shifts and, and address these issues. All right, ladies. Well, let's get to it. All right. I know that we come from a variety of experiences, ladies. I know we have so much that we probably have learned and wanted to share with our sisters and brothers out there. What have you guys been experiencing? I know for me, it's, it's, it's been, you know, constant stress and pressure, but how have you guys felt? while holding the line, the front line? You know, I think, you know, I agree with you, Eunice. It's been extremely stressful, basically working every day and coming into contact um, with a lot of people. It does make you worry that, you know, every day you can be uh, infected with COVID. But I think as physicians, this is what we do. This is our job. Uh, We want to, you know, be there and make sure that we're helping to keep everyone as healthy as possible. So, you know, it's worth the sacrifice. I agree with Kanisha. At the at the height of the pandemic, I was working in skilled nursing in a rehab center and it was very foreboding, anxiety provoking and sad experience, particularly as it relates to um, not having sufficient PPE at the time. Abundance of administrative staff were absent because they contracted the virus. And patients were passing away at an alarming rate. So, of course, the staff that was able to be there was anxious for themselves and their families, potentially going home with the virus, spreading it there, but yet needing to work. And so there was that constant conflict there for them and for me as well. A lot of the staff was relaying their concerns. You know, as a psychologist, people tend to try to lean on you and immediately seek your support because they know that's what you do. And there was a lot of expression in that regard from staff. Just the major conflict of, you know, having a connection to these people, they're passing on abruptly the sad state of it, as well as having that anxiety about contracting the disease yourself and, and passing it on to your loved ones. Yeah, I would agree, Chanel. I think it, it's it been pretty challenging. And as a psychologist also, like you'd mentioned, you know, people come to us. And so where do we seek out our supports? And being in the hospital, doing inpatient work at the beginning, it was really, really challenging because we were considered essential workers. We had mm-hmm. to present to work. We had to leave our children at home without any support and go there and be there for our patients. And as Kanisha mentioned, that's what we do. That's that's what we signed up to do, to be in this helping profession. But it came back to who's going to help us. That became challenging. Another thing I think was the socio-political divide mm-hmm. around wearing PPE, believing this was a real virus. I mean, we saw it all day, every day. However, some of our patients who might come from different areas minimized it. And I think that can negatively 
affect communities of color when in a in a large city like Philadelphia we're seeing so many rates of infection as well as so many people passing away. So I think it was emotionally jarring is how I would say and now with the new surge I think we're just going to go through it all over again. So maybe we've learned some skills and tools along the way but I think it's still going to be stressful. Yeah, I was going to say, Leela, I agree, but I think that we have learned a lot. I think we've come a long way. And I will say, even though, um, you know, working in a low income, primarily black community um, in the beginning, they may not have really thought that COVID was real. But I will say that uh, more and more of my patients now uh, do believe that COVID is real and they are actually taking the steps to protect themselves and their families. So I do think we're in a different space. Thank goodness. Lily, you touched on, you know, who are we to look for? Because, you know, a lot of times as women of color, we're often the backbone of our families and having to work on the front line in this pandemic. What has been some stresses for you guys? I know for me, having a a five-year-old son who I have to care for and share that care with his father, and then also come home and be his teacher, because right now we're homeschooling or, or doing online schooling as well. Those things are difficult. And I often think to myself, who's going to relieve me if, if I'm everybody's backbone? What have you guys been feeling? I've had the same experience, just, you know, the fear and the not knowing if tomorrow school will be canceled. What will I do with the kids yet still have to go into work? The obligation that I feel towards, you know, the well-being of my of my patients, feeling a sense of responsibility and obligation to them, yet at the same time having to fulfill my household duties. Definitely another conflict, you know, it creates a lot of angst and stress. But, you know, you have to find ways to adapt. Uh, I think that you know, the shift to telehealth really helped and just having to multitask throughout the day, um, checking in on them in terms of their online work and situation while still being able to attend to my work duties. It's been pretty much the same with me, Chanel. I would say that I feel so privileged because my children are able to go into school But just like you, as soon as there's a case, I'm checking an email just to make sure, is it still the same? And I feel like I'm operating in crisis mode most days, going from one thing to the next. Am I fulfilling all my roles as a mother, as a wife, as a psychologist, as a friend? And it's tough, you know, as a daughter, as a sister, we could go on and on. And I think just finding that time to get to some of these things throughout the day. So maybe texting a friend, just checking on someone. And it is like Eunice, like you said, we're the backbone. So we're kind of used to this already. It's just at a more amped up level. Yeah, Leela, I agree. I'd say that, you know, my perspective is different than the three of you because my son is in college. So I think most of my stress um, has come from work because my workload has increased significantly. And I think also dealing with the stress of my colleagues and my patients and families has made this a very stressful time because everyone is starting out on 10. And so everyone's very um, impatient and everyone has very short fuses, patients, families, colleagues, so um, staff. So it's definitely been a challenge, I think, to manage that and deal with um, my own kind of stress about the situation. I think when you live alone during COVID, it brings Mm -hmm. a different level of isolation. And so in the beginning of the pandemic, 
that was definitely what I really kind of hated the most um, mm-hmm. and what was the most difficult to actually uh, manage. Leela, I, I guess you can relate to this. I saw a lot of that uh, in terms of the telehealth clients that I was receiving. A lot of them do reside alone and a lot of them were having those issues with isolation, associated anxiety and uh, mood issues. We all know in literature, substance abuse has increased substantially as well as domestic violence. So, you know, it does take an emotional toll for sure. With having a your workload impacted now, especially in the beginning, you know, we had to move patients around until much later time. And now our schedules are probably all jam-packed. Do you guys feel that you have the support needed from the hospital leadership? Do you feel, you know, we're getting what we need to support our patients and to provide the care that our patients deserve? I'll say I'm very lucky. Uh, Leela and I work at the same hospital and our hospital has a lot of resources. Um, And so telehealth was definitely ramped up very quickly. And I do feel that we were, you know, given the support that we needed to make that happen um, and really expand those services. Um, And I also have been having regular leadership meetings with my division chief and my business administrator and the other clinical leaders. And so we really are the leadership team. And I think we've been working very hard to um, make sure that everyone kind of has had a smooth transition and that we're able to increase access for our patients. We've done it for primary care patients, even our family planning kids who need confidential services. We've ramped up telehealth for them um, and all our subspecialty patients as well. I think the biggest issue at this point is, is trying to ensure that the disparities that we see in telehealth are addressed during this uh, second wave. Um, because the disparities are definitely real, um, even with telehealth. So it's something that is really important that we directly address. I agree that Kenesha, just having access to the technology was quite evident within the skilled nursing and rehab centers. Many individuals didn't even have telephones in their room to even get them an iPad or some kind of communication with their family indicating, you know, their level of illness or even saying goodbye, hello, et cetera, was difficult. They didn't have access to those kinds of things. So that was a part of the sadness for me. It was just like people were passing and they didn't even get a chance to speak to their families. And those individuals that are there and survived it haven't seen families in months. And so it becomes a very daunting and harrowing experience in terms of when's the end of this? Like when, when are we going to be able to actually be able to hug a loved one again? And so that was the struggle. And now they've gotten more technology and transitioning more so to the telehealth. So that's definitely a positive thing. Yeah. Thanks, Chanel and Kanisha. I would say, you know, pretty much along the same lines, telehealth has its advantages and disadvantages. And You just have to be more patient during this time. So people are having technology issues. They're not able to log on to our interface. And so even though all these amazing systems were created with our resources, there's still glitches in the system. So I think being patient, thinking about alternatives, being flexible are all things that I think we as providers can model for our patients because everybody is stressed. And some of the kids and families that I see, they're homeschooling, you know, multiple children. They also have to maintain jobs. 
and they have to log on for their child's therapy appointment. So specifically for our communities of color, they have the additional burden of all the racial unrest that has gone on this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to so many families about what does Black Lives Matter mean to you? What does it mean to your kids? Um, Mm -hmm. Do you feel safe? So I think within our communities of color, we are seeing even more stress for our patients. That, that is, I think, so true on many levels. Have, we haven't had a lot of time to probably unpack the trauma of what mm. we've seen happen to our Black men over the summer and Breonna Taylor as well. And now we're dealing with this pandemic. I can say from, I think, a personal standpoint, I've had support come out of surprising places. Like I've had families ask me, are you okay? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how's things going for you? When I feel like I'm their physician and I'm supposed to be taking care of them, I, I feel like, you know, they've been taking care of me. I also feel that leadership, you know, has done a pretty good job of making sure that we're okay as well. No system is perfect, but I feel that there's been such great effort and strides to make sure that, you know, the impact that COVID has had on physicians, all physicians, all staff members have been well supported from our leadership as well. You know, with so much um, disparities in the Black community in terms of death and hospitalizations from COVID pandemic, you know, it, it just seems very gloomy and it doesn't seem like there's much glimmer of hope at all. What silver linings have come out of this pandemic, if any, for any of you guys? I would say in my case, the biggest silver lining for me um, has really been improving uh, my connections with family and friends. You know, like I talked about before, the isolation piece was very disturbing in the beginning of COVID. Um, I'm so, I am not a homebody. I like to be out and about. I like to go out. I'm not someone who sits at home. And so that was really, really difficult for me to do. And so really being able to connect with folks, like I had a Zoom birthday party, um, and you know, we turned up, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, cre- I created, you know, a WhatsApp group with my sisters, which we had never had before. Um, oh, so we've, cool. been, we've been communicating a lot more. Mm-hmm. I literally talked to my son like five to 10 times a day. He's in college. That's the most you know we've ever spoken. Um, <laughs> so we're getting closer. That piece has been appreciated. It definitely has been a silver lining for me during COVID. So, um, that piece I'll keep even after COVID's gone. Good for you. So the silver lining for me, what I've noticed is that amongst persons of color in particular, my practice shifted in that direction. The population kind of chose me and it's encouraging to see that people are thinking about taking the time to reflect and grow, you know, slow the clock down, take some time to address longstanding um, issues with anxiety, stress management taking the time to investigate things like personal growth, developing and processing certain things that they otherwise would not be able to do because they're just involved in the everyday hustle and bustle of things. So this is the silver lining that I'm seeing amongst the population, which I'm very excited about. That's exciting, Chanel. Yeah. And so, you know, speaking from the psychologist perspective here, I would agree, Chanel, it's quite the time for people to take a step back and process because people are spending some more time at home. 
Um, I guess for me, the silver lining on the professional side is access to telehealth. I think it is so cool to be able to talk to your patients and families without a mask. I think having the mask on was a barrier in terms of reading the nonverbals. And so when you can increase that access, keep telehealth going for our patients, they don't have to, you know, commute, they don't have to find parking. So it has lifted some barriers. And then on a personal note, I think as Kanisha mentioned, we both don't like to stay at home. So uh, <laughs> going and taking walks, figuring out creative ways to spend time together, doing scheduled Zoom calls with family and friends from all over the world, um, as a matter of fact, and also having dinner together. We never had time to have dinner together. And I think mm -hmm. we are taking a step back since we're working from our home. You go downstairs and you eat at a decent time. So mm. really being able to see the kids, talk to them about what they're feeling, help them through these really challenging times when their friends are asking them what is going on in the world. And so being able to be a support to them, I think is, is my silver lining. That is so awesome. I, I, I have on a personal level, similar experiences. I'm enjoying being with my five-year-old, learning what he actually likes, seeing his first, his first teeth come out. You know, that was so awesome to see and to witness with him and walk him through, you know, the, how the, you know, the fairy tale is going to leave him something. It's just been awesome. I mean, actually having, you know, conversations and candid conversations with family, reconnecting on more personal levels, because I feel like, you know, in the past, I've been so busy with, I have to do this for work or I have to get, you know, my son here. Those things that just have made me stop and slow down and really live in the moment and live in that experience that I'm having and, and being able to share um, with my family and also with my friends has been so great for me. You know, also getting back into exercising and really caring for myself because you know, we give so much that we forget to give back to ourselves and to put mm. into ourselves more love and more energy. And so I've been able to do a lot of those things. I think from a professional standpoint, it has challenged me to think outside of the box and to think how I can contribute my expertise in a lot of different manners. And I'm so blessed and looking so forward to, you know, how to make those things happen. So the silver lining for me, I think, has been really good, both in a personal and a professional standpoint. Thanks for joining us. Our next episode, COVID in the Classroom. 